Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of welcomeheart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Hi, I have been doing some rebranding. I don't know if you've noticed. It's now called Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life. Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life. I thought it was confusing because for those of you who have been around um, me for a while, you know that my website has been called Welcome Heart, well, maybe since 2008, before some of you were born. And when I started podcasting, I just love the whole idea of living a legacy life. And it just made sense to say, make it count, make our lives count. Uh, Of course, that was confusing because they go, well, is it make it count or is it welcome heart? So uh, in the last few weeks, I've been um, doing this process of what they call rebranding. And so I changed the name. The colors are a little different. The images are a little different. Those things don't really matter very much. What matters is clarification. We want to be clear uh, about our message, most of all, our message uh, for the kingdom. And so, yes, we want to make our lives count, but it will be under the umbrella of Welcome Heart, because when we um, open our hearts and our homes and our tables and our porches and our backyards in hospitality, we are really showing off God's welcoming heart. And if that's not a legacy, I'm not sure what is. It's not the only legacy, of course, and that's not what I'm implying. But uh, the question I'll be adding to all the interviews is how does your life embody the welcoming heart of God? And I don't mean only by hospitality, of course. Our whole lives need to say welcome. I think Laura Crosby said that in her interview in January was such a blessing uh, where she was asking the Lord to make her life a welcome mat. Uh, where she just exudes the welcoming heart of God. And that was even before the rebrand. So way to go, Laura. Anyway, she loves to speak on hospitality as well. And so today we're going to be talking about making our lives count. And I will use that expression. But the whole idea is that when we invest in God and when we invest in people, we are investing in eternity, because both of them last. In fact, when I get presented with an opportunity, and I'm not sure whether or not I should do it, often I'll call my mentor, Lori Potratz, and I'll say, should I do this? And she says, well, it has to do with the word or it has to do with people. So really, you're investing in something that matters. So yes, she'll say. (laughs) And I usually do what she tells me to do. So I wrote this uh, originally for the Joyful Life magazine uh, many issues ago. I'm not sure it's even for sale. So I have their permission to uh, repeat these great stories. Great in that that it makes, it shows off God. That's what I mean by great, where he is the hero and he encouraged me. I was kind of down the day that I was writing this and he encouraged me that what we do counts when we're doing it with the gifts that God has blessed us with. He's given us great things. It's, it's, it's annoying. I'm sure if God gets annoyed, I bet he gets really annoyed when we, as his children say, well, I want, I want to be doing that. I don't want to be doing this. 
And yet he's gifted us so abundantly and he gets such great joy when we live out the gifts that he's given us. We partner with him. Why? To change lives for the kingdom with his glory in mind. And we love people. And that way we show them that God loves them too. So we make our lives count by investing in what lasts. And what does that look like to make your life count? Well, one morning I was overwhelmed with things that I could be doing, but I wasn't doing. And therefore I was feeling bad about the things I should have been doing, but I also was feeling bad about things I wish I could do, but that I didn't know how. And so I did what every good Christian uh, person does, maybe every Christian woman, I cried. And then I took a shower. My shower is my prayer closet, which works well, unless we're in a drought. Um, And my crying and my praying goes longer than our standard water allotment. Thankfully, we had some rain earlier this year, and that day I could shower and I could pray and then I could cry with abandon. It helped. It helped. While sobbing and sudsing, God reminded me that all was not lost. There were some things I did know how to do. I knew how to bake and I knew how to talk to a 20 something and that there was a new girl in my life. Uh, Her name was Josie. She's 26. And she had just asked to be adopted by us and to come alongside of me and to bake. She heard that I like to bake. So she said, I I want to come over and bake. And I thought, okay, I just met you, but okay, fine. I could do that. That counted. That was for eternity, not the baking so much, but building into another person's life. I felt better. Josie came over that afternoon with a tray of ingredients. So nice of her. You could tell how mature she was that she actually uh, contributed, brought ingredients and pans. And we baked and we talked and we admired and we tried not to eat all the dough. I had just met her two weeks earlier. She said she had lost her mother at 16 to brain cancer and that she was making her way back to God when I met her. Thus the baking and the talking and the coming alongside. It was so great, the timing. Of course, it was God's timing. Building into people and the word, those things last, even if cupcakes and chocolate chip cookie bars don't. This is a new year. I know it's March, but... As Kathy Lipp said last month, let's make February the first month of this year because she was so behind. I love that. And time doesn't stop when I feel stuck or when I feel inadequate or feel like I I need longer showers to cry and to work things out with the Lord. I want to take stock and reevaluate my days. I I hope you do too. It's important not to navel gaze and spend, you know, hours on, oh, woe is me, but to reevaluate what am I doing today that builds into eternity? Are my days and my months filled with things that count? Am I investing in what counts? This is not supposed to be guilt inducing, not at all. 
it's just something to think about. I probably should uh, tell myself this podcast at least once a year, if not every quarter, just to get me back on track because we get so distracted from the train that God wants us on. It's for our own good and it's definitely for his glory. Now, how do we know what lasts? We read in 1 Peter 1, uh, 23 to 25, since you have been born again through the living and abiding word of God, the word of the Lord remains forever. See, there it is. No matter how small or how insignificant our daily actions seem, believe me, there are a lot of small actions that make up my days. Living a life that counts means investing in people and the abiding word of God, and then leaving the results of those actions with him. The Bible is clear that this life is brief. It's a mist, M-I-S-T, it's a mist. We read in uh, James 4, 14, a blade of grass, says the psalmist in Psalm 103. I forget that truth when I'm caught up in my busy day. Oh my goodness, today is, today is Monday and I thought I had so much time, but the day is almost over and I barely touched my to-do list. I could get really stressed about that. I'm stressed by all I'm not doing or can't do, but God is gracious. He's gracious to remind me that when I bake with a young gal, or I meet a lonely friend for coffee, or I listen to my children, I am investing in what's eternal. You may not think you're building treasures in heaven by taking your kids to the park with another young mom when you'd rather be doing a million other things. You may feel like giving up when you attempt to teach your middle schooler the importance of including the unpopular kid or explaining to your teenager the value of looking an adult in the eye while engaging in polite conversation. Such small things, you think, such small things. You may think you were meant for greater things than listening to Awana verses every Tuesday night, or rounding up day-old flowers from the florist to bless the elderly at the convalescent home. All these actions and more make our lives count. Why? because we are investing in what lasts and what is closest to God's heart, people, people. God not only loves the world, he likes us. He's affectionate in his love towards us. And we can share that with someone else. I remember rocking our firstborn during a late night feeding, I sat and I rocked and I watched her nurse while my eyes wandered up to the shelf we had recently installed to make the nursery look cute. And I thought to myself, I am on a shelf, Lord. I'm not doing much. I wonder how long my shelf life will be. I was tired and I felt sorry for myself and I needed someone to remind me. Any time I invest in people and the word is an investment in eternity. My firstborn is 33 now. She lives in San Francisco 
and she calls me a lot. I'm her entertainment while she walks to the bus or to Starbucks and then back again in the early evening. When she calls, I always pick up. It's an honor. I'm investing in eternity. Now, how do we go about making our lives count? To ensure that I'm living a life that matters, I need to get first things first. Soon after I married a well-meaning friend, one I could write a book about, I could actually write a book about well-meaning friends, said to me, I'm sort of sad you got married. Startled, I asked, why do you say that? Because she replied, you always wanted to be a missionary. Now you're stuck in California. I reassured her, oh, don't worry about that. I just want to serve God. I don't have to go to another country or to be a professional Christian to serve God. Besides, Californians need God. By that time, I had learned that the location nor the job isn't what God is after. He's after our hearts. When my heart is wholly his, I don't worry as much what I do. Rather, it's who I do it for and why I do it. However, I need regular heart checkups to keep me in line with how God wants me to live. Jesus' words in Matthew help me take stock of my heart because it speaks to priorities. You probably have learned this verse way back in Awana days or in Sunday school. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I don't always seek God's kingdom first, but when I do, I can be confident that the least of my actions, which could be a meal for a new mom this coming Wednesday, I'm trying to figure out what to make. What do I have in my freezer already that would delight them and make them glad that I'm their new best friend (laughs) or a kind word to my husband or a patient ear for a friend's woes. We probably all have friends who are more like Eeyore's and they need to be listened to and have their hearts and minds turned to this same verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So you don't need to quite be so wilted today. Rest, all these things rest under the same umbrella of making my life count. My heart can turn stony hard if I do good things in order to feel valuable, or if I think I'm chalking up points with God or with man. I'm a writer and I'm a speaker now, but those jobs are no more significant than taking the time to call a friend or send a postcard. My heart receives a recheck when I declare by faith, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 73, 25. When I desire something besides God, more than God, in front of God, I need to stop and confess, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I forgot you're all I want. I forgot that you're all I need. I'm yours completely. Now, what is it that you wanted me to do today? His answer may be to do something different from what I thought. 
Living a life that counts means holding things loosely. Those things I think must get done or else. I love a good to-do list that's all about God's priorities and my flexibility. Now that should, is a great juxtaposition. God's priorities and my flexibility. I am guessing that flexibility more than cleanliness is next to godliness. I remember my dear friend and mentor, Lorraine Maxudian, telling me and a few other moms at my table, girls, when I was a mother of young children, I would make my to-do list every day, and then I would surrender it to the Lord. So we don't just sit on a curb and wait for the day to happen to us. We are intentional. But our to-do list can be a short list like this. Step one, relate well with God. And then step two, everything else. I just made some to-do lists like that that you can buy. Not sure when they're going to be ready, but I'll let you know in my newsletter. But I have been wanting to do this for years where I have a to-do list staring right at me. The first to-do thing is to relate well with God. And then everything else on the list goes after that. That helps my life count. Relating well with God is the main thing, and it's ongoing. I can't check it off and think, well, that's done. I related well with God uh, January 3rd, 2019, and never have to go back to it. Of course not. But I don't stop there either. As I grow more in love with Jesus and I gain knowledge of his word and I seek his kingdom, I continue to take stock of who he's made me and what opportunities and responsibilities he's provided today. I got an opportunity on my email and I'm still praying about it. It's something that will take some risk on my part. It's a little scary. I have to learn something new in tech. That's always frightening. So I'm praying about it. Is this something I should sign up for? While vacuuming one afternoon, I stopped and I turned off the vacuum as if God could not hear me over the vacuum, but I was hearing him. And so I turned off the vacuum and I said out loud, okay, Lord, I think you made me a speaker. I turned the vacuum back on and I continued my chore. I had been teaching and speaking for a while. But I needed to hear loud and clear from God that this was what he wanted and then accept it, say it out loud. No one else was listening and then teach and speak when the opportunity presented itself. That was 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago when God wants you to turn off the vacuum and respond to what he's telling you. You do that. Let me know what he said. And then also let me know if you continue vacuuming, because that's probably on your to-do list as well. Some questions to ask in helping us take stock of our lives. Think about your natural abilities and your talents. My friend Janelle is so talented. She's such a wonderful hostess. She's such a great cook. One time she invited a small group Bible study girls over, and I was part of her group that year, and she invited us. And I said, do you want me to bring something? She said, no, I want to gift, gift this to you. And I thought, oh, goody, oh, goody. I don't mind bringing something. But I knew it was Janelle's gifting. 
to bless us with her cooking. What gives you joy? Cooking for us that day gave Janelle joy. When do you feel God's pleasure? An inordinate amount of self-examination can keep me stuck where I think, oh, maybe I'm really not that good at this. Maybe I should do something else. But a healthy dose of self-knowledge helps me determine which direction to take. Do I need to take a course, invest money in something or time so that I can get better? This year, I signed up for Kathy Lipp's Red House Writing Collective. My kids know all about it because I'm always saying, sorry, I can't talk to you. I'm getting training. That was an investment financially, and it continues to be an investment in time and learning. It's so I can get better at what God has given me to do. Should Another question to ask is, should I try something I've never tried before, like podcasting? Do I need to stop doing what I'm currently doing? I told Mark the other day, hey, if you retire, when you retire, maybe in a year, maybe that's when I should stop podcasting. And he said, why? Well, I couldn't answer that question. So. <laughs> and nor, nor did he tell me when he's going to retire. Another question. Have I exercised the sanctified no lately? Or am I running frantically from task to task in the name of Christian service? At least two of my friends have told me recently that their word for the year, one is Michelle Marin. I think the other one might be Grace Van Doren. Their word for the year is rest. Now, why did God give them that word? They can tell you better than I can. God calls us to be empowered by him, not to be exhausted by perceived expectations of others or ourselves. Do I have the courage to pray, Lord, do you still want me to speak and write? If not, that's okay. And really mean it. What questions will you Ask the Lord today. Let me repeat those. Do I need to take a course, invest money or time to get better? Do I need to try something I've never tried before? Do I need to stop doing what I'm currently doing? Emily P. Friedman has been writing about that recently, and it's such a wonderful question. Do I need to close that door or go out of that room? She keeps saying. Have I exercised a sanctified no lately? Do I have the courage to pray, Lord, do you still want me to do? And you fill, out, fill in the blank. If not, that's okay. You know, if it's not okay, if it's not okay, that means I think more of what I'm doing for God than of God himself. As we begin this new year in March, <laughs> take a fresh look at who you are. Can you bake? No, no big deal. Can you sew? No, ask someone else. Can you garden? Yes. Can you listen? Yes. Ask God, how can I use who you made me to, it, to be to invest in what lasts? Let me say that again. Ask the Lord, how can I use who you made me to be? to invest in what lasts. Are you in, intentional about being in community with other Christians? I know that's been so challenging these last two years. And you've heard me talk about or write about having people on my porch. And it's easier on my porch because I live in California. My sister 
lives outside Chicago. And she said, Sue, how, it doesn't matter how many patio heaters Leonard and I would buy. We cannot host people in the backyard. It's too cold. I get it. But maybe there's other reasons we're using as excuses. My friend Grace announced she was going back to work. This was a long time ago. And we used to meet with Grace and Debbie and Cecily. We would meet once a month at each other's homes. And we would laugh and cry and pray for each other's children. And then Grace needed to go back to work part time. And she was worried that she could no longer join us for lunch or coffee. Instead of allowing that to happen, two other friends and I scheduled meetups on the calendar for the next four months on days that she wasn't working. So we had to be more intentional. We had to plan in advance. And then again, at the end of those four months, 14 years later, we were still meeting because we made it a priority. We need each other to help us raise our children. We need each other to build up our marriages and enrich our walk with God. Grace has since moved out of the area, but just this morning she showed up on my doorstep and we started where we had left off. She was visiting. Make 2022 the year to begin a friend group to come alongside, even if it's on Zoom, and encourage one another in the ways of God. My friend Lisa Lewis does that with two friends out of state. I think she meets once a week with them. It's very cool. In 14 years, you're going to be able to say, we've been meet meeting for 14 years, and it's been grand. Do you rub shoulders regularly with non-believers? If not, is there something in your schedule you can change or an area in which you can include a new friend in what you're already doing? Now we live in a university town and our church runs an Adopt-a-College student program. When my kids were little, I would invite our adopted college girl to come talk to me while I made dinner or to make a gingerbread house with the girls. Erin, do you remember doing that? Now our students come by for pizza and a walk and talk around the neighborhood. Our newest adoptee is named Anna and she loves Holly the dog and she will watch Holly when we go out of town next month for our sibling reunion. What a blessing she's already been to us. But hopefully we're going to continue to be a blessing to her as we invest in her life. You and I don't stop what we're doing to serve God. We invite him into our lives and we pray, Lord, whose life do you want me to touch today? Whose life do you want to touch through mine today? Remember, we are in partnership. We are in partnership with God. He wants to change lives. And he's so gracious to invite us to do it along with, with him. He could do it all by himself, but he chooses you and he chooses me. We read God's manifesto in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. God may call you around the world or around the block. I walk our dog on a semi-regular basis. I'm not really a dog person, although my dog thinks I'm her person. And sometimes I text Ellen next door, you want to walk with me after dinner? And she says, yes, and off we go. Holly dog, Ellen and me. I invest in eternity while fulfilling my responsibility as our dog walker. 
as resistant as I am to Holly Dog's charms. My friend may come to Christ some early evening, so I'm thinking it's worth it to have this dog. Maybe you need to get a dog. I don't think I'm the one that you need to ask about that, however. God doesn't expect me to stop all my responsibilities to go tell it on the mountain the Lord has come. He just wants me to keep telling it and showing it. And sometimes that includes walking dogs, maybe even on a mountain. I'll never forget what a professor told our class. Spirituality is the whole pie, not just a slice of the pie. In other words, all I am and do 24-7 matters. It counts. Not only my Sunday life or my God-related activities. Living a life that counts doesn't mean only church work or missionary service. All work is sacred. You can talk to Jordan Rayner about that. Work matters. All work is sacred when commissioned by God and enabled by his spirit. When we get a handle on that truth, we can wake up every morning and say, good morning, Lord. This is Sue reporting for duty, and I can't wait. And when we do, our life will count for all eternity. Now, what happens if what you do is imperfect? Does that still count for eternity? Because, you know, eternity is perfect. Opening your home for the sake of the lost, lonely, and hurting and proud is one way to make your life count, even when, especially when it's not a perfect home. A picture just came, showed up on Facebook <laughs> after I'd invited a friend over for the first time, mind you, and after she had left. I looked down and I was wearing two different pairs of shoes. Now, maybe she was just too polite to point that out. I'm sure I was older than her. <laughs> or uh, maybe she didn't notice. I hope she didn't notice. One time I had ruined the rice. Again, gummy was not what I was going for, but all I could see was brown sludge. It was sure to stick in mouths and throats. I could only imagine the obligatory swallows to come and determine smiles of my guests about to arrive. Darn and double darn. I was raised in church and darn and double darn were my fighting words. And I was tired of fighting brown rice. I don't really like brown rice, but the company was coming and I vowed to keep trying. What I've learned through culinary fails and starting over again is that the food doesn't matter. The invitation matters. Sammy was new to town and needed to connect. I invited her and some others for coffee, even though my industrious husband had left his latest project for the girls scattered over the front room, a three by four foot wooden dollhouse. Sawdust, wood, and tools covered all the surfaces including that old brown carpet. This was even before the remodel he was building projects in the front room, in the house, on carpet. When Sammy got up to leave, it was a, a morning coffee with several women. She was new though, so I want her to meet other people. She stopped by the small building site and she said, it's so nice to be in a normal home. <laughs> I smiled and I thought, well, normal is all I have. So normal is what you will get. 
my normalness, my imperfection blessed a new friend. And I realized once again, that making my life count doesn't include doing it perfectly. I love John Piper's clarion call to believers. The greatest cause in the world is joyfully rescuing people from hell, meeting their earthly needs, making them glad in God, and doing it with a kind, serious pleasure that makes Christ look like the treasure he is. Wow. I'm glad Dr. Piper didn't say, and make sure there's no laundry on the couch or dishes in the sink when you're in that joyful rescue mode. In fact, it may be all the kinder to show our vulnerabilities to a world that needs Jesus as much as we do. Making our life count doesn't include doing it perfectly. The perfect job's been taken by God. Jesus saves and leads perfectly. My job and my joy is to follow with a kind, serious pleasure that makes Christ look like the treasure he is. I don't want to live a grumpy life, a burdensome life, where I'm actually showing Christ to be a hard taskmaster. No, he's my treasure. And he's kind. And he takes pleasure in me. When wondering how to make your life count, don't get lost in the weeds of I'm not enough or I can't do what she does. God made you, you, and he made me, me. All he asks of you and of me is a heart wholly devoted to him, as well as a flexible to-do list with him at the top of the list. Tell him you want to make your life count and pick up an extra bag of chocolate chips next time you're at the grocery store. You never know if you'll meet a Josie, but you want to be ready to bake, to come alongside, to listen, to invite. And also pick up one of these to-do lists. I'll have them ready soon. God bless you. You are making your life count for eternity when you invest in the word and in people. You have a wonderful day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.